Hi, thanks for listening to Public Service Psychology Now. This episode is the audio recording of the webinar Division 18 hosted on March 3rd, 2022, titled Student Loan Forgiveness Programs, Success Stories and Advocacy. You'll hear an overview of the Public Student Loan Forgiveness Program and hear success stories from four panelists on how they navigated their student loan forgiveness programs. Finally, you'll learn about APA's advocacy efforts to address the student loan crisis. Now, on with the program. So hi everyone, thank you for attending today's webinar titled Student Loan Forgiveness Program, Success Stories in Advocacy. This program is sponsored by APA Division 18, Psychologists and Public Service, and I'm Tiffany Finnell, President of Division 18. And I recently learned last week that my student loans were forgiven thanks to the limited waiver. So this is a very timely topic, I think, for many of us. And so it's my pleasure to introduce our panelists. But before I do, I want to let our attendees know that you can use the Q&A feature here in Zoom to ask questions of our panelists, and they'll be able to respond um, throughout the program to your questions. But we will definitely leave room at the end for questions. So with that, I will go ahead and introduce our panelists. First, we have Dr. Astrid Gregg, and she's a psychologist and clinical regional manager within primary care behavioral health integration and part of the healthcare for the homeless team at Cambridge Health Alliance. Dr. Kelly McCarran worked at the Department of Veterans Affairs for 14 years, including most recently as a neuropsychologist for the War-Related Illness and Injury Study Center at the VA New Jersey Healthcare System. Dr. Monica Roy is a psychologist and program manager for the Outpatient Alcohol and Drug Treatment Program and the Residential Substance Abuse Treatment Program at the VA Boston Healthcare System. Dr. Jessica Vassallo is a board-certified clinical neuropsychologist and director of psychology training for the James A. Haley Veterans Hospital in Tampa, Florida. She's also a past president of the Florida Psychological Association. And finally, Kenneth Polischek is the senior director for congressional and federal relations at the American Psychological Association, where he covers APA's education policy and advocacy portfolio. This includes federal programs on student financial assistance, student loans, and loan repayment and forgiveness. Thank you all for being here with us today. Kenneth, I'll turn the mic over to you. Thank you so much, Tiffany. And yeah, again, thank you all so much for being with us this afternoon. I will say I'm very excited about this discussion because we really do need to uplift um, the more positive stories uh, related to loan forgiveness. So much of the focus tends to be on things that go wrong, but really highlighting the success stories is so critical uh, to making sure that we actually get folks into these programs, which is really what we want. So I know that you're all excited to hear about that, but before we do, let me quickly go over some of the federal student loan forgiveness programs that are available to psychologists. Next slide, please. Actually, the next one. There you go. So the most widely known and really most robust one is the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program, which really creates an incentive to pursue careers in public service. So although loan forgiveness is part of the program, really the purpose of PSLF is to um, not necessarily to be just a debt management tool, but the loan forgiveness is used as a way to close the gap between public, the, uh, the public and the private sector and recruit qualified professionals into much needed fields, including psychology. And PSLF has several requirements that are listed on the slide, but really the crux of the program is that you make 120 payments while having the correct loan type, being enrolled in a qualifying a repayment plan and being employed by a qualified employer. Next slide, please. So, now, as we all know, there have been many issues with the administration of PSLF over the years. However, in an attempt to fix many of them, last October, the Department of Education issued a temporary waiver on certain PSLF requirements. And since then, nearly you know, 100,000 borrowers have earned this forgiveness, including Tiffany, which really is a pretty staggering number. Um, and so to qualify for this waiver, borrower must complete a PSLF form by October 31st, 2022. 
If that borrower has Fell or Perkins loans, they would need to consolidate them if they haven't already into a direct consolidation loan. So through this waiver, any payments made on those loans prior to consolidation would count towards PSLF, which was not the case before. And likewise, if a borrower made previous payments in a non-qualifying repayment plan, those payments would also count as qualifying payments. So if you haven't submitted your PSLF form yet, or if you would, or if you have loans that need to be consolidated but have not been, um, I would recommend that you do so as soon as possible. And even if you are already enrolled in PSLF, I would actually recommend resubmitting your employer certification form just to be certain. And the PSLF coalition, which APA is a member of, has an excellent FAQ document with a lot of good information on it. And I will put that link into the chat shortly. Next slide, please. Thanks. So there are also a number of other loan repayment programs available to psychologists and behavioral health professionals through other federal agencies. So for example, the, Na the National Health Service Corps has four different programs and mental health professionals are among the eligible professions. And so to qualify, a provider must provide care through either Medicare, Medicaid, or the state children's health insurance program, must be a health professional in an eligible discipline with student loan debt, must be trained and licensed to practice in, a, in the National Health Service uh, Corps eligible primary care discipline and in the state in which they're applying to serve. And also must work at a qualified National Health Service Corps approved site. Then the Veteran Affairs uh, Department also has a student loan repayment program through which employees in certain occupations may be eligible to receive up to $10,000 uh, worth of year, $10,000 per year to repay part of their loans. And we have um, several psychologists on the panel who received loan forgiveness through these programs and could provide you with some more information. So now I'll just turn it back over to Tiffany. Thank you. And I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to our, one of our first panelists to talk about her story, Dr. McCarran. Thank you. Um, so when I started graduate school, I knew that I definitely wanted to become a clinical psychologist, but also there was no way for me to do so without taking on some student debt. So when I started grad school, I was, you know, very excited about a career in public service and wanting um, to help communities in which I live. And I also felt daunted by the amount of student loans. I learned about PSLF during grad school from one of my classmates. And so I was focused on that program from the moment that I graduated. After completing graduate school, I had excellent cl clinical training and career opportunities, but I also had six figures in grad school student loans. Um, I worked at the Department of Veteran Affairs for 14 years. And during that time, I made the payments that qualified for me to receive PSLF. Um, overall, I made 124 consecutive payments. The first four uh, at the time did not qualify because I had made them into what was the default loan repayment option. And initially I didn't realize that didn't qualify because it wasn't income-based. So after my first four payments, I changed so that I would be in um, compliance or you know, make payments that qualified. When I ultimately did receive the public service loan forgiveness, um, which I believe was in 2019, uh, at that time I was very happy to discover that um, because they had what was called temporary expanded public service loan forgiveness, those first four payments did end up counting and so I ultimately received a refund for my final four payments. While I was making payments, the monthly payments were large. Um, even though they were income-based, they were quite significant and they were on par with my rent and my daycare bill. The amount I repaid ultimately came close to the amount that I initially borrowed, but because of interest, even after the 120 payments, I had barely made a dent in the principal. So the amount that was forgiven was also quite large. A few tips about the process that I'd like to share. One is, although the debt can be very daunting, it's so important to um, empower yourself by reading up on the programs, looking into the details. I know with debt, sometimes avoidance is a strategy that um, can be alluring because it's so uh, difficult to really look at. 
finances sometimes, but it's really important to do as much as you can to stay informed um, and to keep learning about the programs and looking into the details. Uh, just try to put as much care into looking at your own financial situation that you would put into you know, caring for one of your patients. Also, I would recommend starting the process as soon as possible, but at the same time, um, don't give up. If your process hasn't been streamlined, you know, don't give up, keep looking into it. Um, as we'll hear more, there are um, many different ways in which people um, approach this and have their loans forgiven. For me, I started paying my um, into the repayments when I was a postdoc because I knew my salary was lower at that time. And with the income-based repayments, I knew that meant my payments would also be lower during that time. Um, so I'm really glad I did it that way. At the same time, I know people that, you know, they didn't make consecutive payments for various reasons with their employment or with their life and ultimately did go on to have PSLF. So, you know, uh, keep going, um, keep working toward it. And then on a final note, you know, just from a mental health perspective, I do want to say kudos for all the work that you do as psychologists. Um, you know, the work you do is providing a public service that's dignified and it's definitely, you know, and it provides important value to society. Don't let your debt impact your self-image too much. Um, I did have a time where I wondered, you know, did I do something wrong here? I worked really hard. I did well in my career in education, but here I was with um, all of these student loans and difficult financial situations because of the student debt. But ultimately I persevered and now I feel very lucky to have you know, career accomplishments I feel good about and then also to be debt free. I think we're grateful to work in a career where we can help others and also make um, positive contributions to society while making a living. The cost of becoming a psychologist is often deep student debt, yet the work of psychologists is really of great value to society. So with that, I'll hand it over to our next presenter, Dr. Roy. Hi, thank you. Um, and I wanna thank everyone for joining us. Um, and thank you to Tiffany for, um, Dr. Pinnell for putting this um, panel together because I think it's so important um, and quite frankly, um, this has been a huge part of my life um, and I'm glad it's one that I could shut the door on <laughs> and um, say um, successfully. Um, I've been at the VA Boston healthcare system for 15 years and um, I am proud to say, I think I was one of the first thousand um, in the country who got my loans paid back. Um, and I will say there were some times where I really didn't know if this was gonna happen. Um, because there's at, when I first started, there truly wasn't anything in writing um, saying um, that you were for sure going to get your, um, your loans paid back. Um, I'm happy to say throughout these struggles um, that I had, especially in the beginning of the process, that a lot of those struggles I don't think still exist today. Um, because one of my struggles was that um, they kept moving the um, loans to different loan servicers, and there would be changes um, in the um, in the loans with each change that was happening. So much like um, Dr. McCarran, I'm, I actually lost 12 months worth of payments um, when um, my loans were moved from one loan servicer to another, and um, it wasn't moved into the income contingent um, payment plan. Um, I will say um, when I got to the end of the 10 years, they actually did um, refund those, those months, um, which I wasn't expecting, which was a nice surprise. Um, so I think a lot of the issues that we had initially are actually no longer issues because there's now one um, loan servicer um, who has been running the program. And I have to say um, for the last few years of my, um, my progress with my loans, they were very organized and actually fairly responsive. Um, I'd like to give a few um, tips that I learned along the way. Uh, and there were things that um, I thought um, might be concrete steps to remember um, to take throughout the process. Um, the first is that um, I had to have HR complete a form for me on a yearly basis, an income verification form. And I have to say for me, that actually made me feel much better that there was something in writing, HR was signing something and I was sending it to Fed Service Loans. So they were keeping track of the number of payments that I was making and um, where I was working at the time. 
Um, so that was um, one of the steps that I had to do on a yearly basis. And it really doesn't take that long. You just have to um, get a form to HR, have them sign it and you, send, and you mail it in. Um, the next um, step um, that has to be done on a yearly basis is once your taxes are filed, um, that you do have um, Fed service loans um, will ask you for um, request a full copy of your tax returns along with your partners. Um, and um, you do have to get that in within a certain deadline. Um, and if that deadline is not met, then um, there can be some bumps in the, um, in the process. So keeping an eye out for making sure that you're getting that paperwork in to your um, to Fed service loans. Um, the third step that I have here is that um, if you have any questions um, that about um, 80 to 90% of the people I spoke with through customer service were actually really helpful um, at, at loan servicing. Um, but the one tip I have is to call within the first 30 minutes of the day um, so that you can reach someone. Um, if you call um, a little bit too late in the day, meaning after the first 30 minutes or 45 minutes, you may be on hold for quite some time. Um, so that took a little bit of planning, but once you're able to get in touch with someone and plan like that, they're, they were actually very helpful, which was not my experience for the first few years um, with the first few servicing companies. Um, and also um, the last um, thing, tip or thing to look out for um, is that um, it takes, once you've um, done all of your payments in the 10 years, um, it does take a few months for Fed service loan, um, loan servicing to be able to um, get everything in order. And um, I was a little bit worried because I actually ended up making three, three more months of payments and I actually received those payments back um, once everything was, was done. So I have to say throughout the 10 years, I was um, there were times that I was worried there was times that I actually didn't think much about it because I actually went back to grad school to be able to work in public service, to be able to work in the VA. And I think on a day-to-day -day basis, being able to work um, myself to work at the VA has really been my passion. So to me, um, having my loans paid back was um, incredibly helpful, but also a big perk of, um, on top of doing the work that I do on a daily basis. Um, so I think that's all that I have to, um, to say for right now. And um, I think we're gonna answer some questions later because I did see some questions in the chat um, that I think I can, I can respond to, but I'll wait for the question and answer portion then. Thank you. And I'll pass this on to Dr. Um, Vasallo. Thank you so much. So um, I had a very similar experience, although um, a little bit delayed. When I finished my um, residency, the program didn't exist at that point. So it was developed a couple of years after that. So um, I initially hadn't entered um, public service. I sort of grew up in, in, in VA, did a lot of my, my training and my internship and residency in VA. Um, and then uh, and then left for a while. So I was sort of in a traditional loan payment program for about seven years before I came back to VA. Um, and so I've been back for about 11 years. So my success story is that just this past September, I finally uh, achieved the forgiveness status. Um, so I've, I paid for about 17 years on my loans, which which seems substantial. I've actually worked out the, the dollars and um, I, I used to joke with folks that I, I had a, a small apartment or a condo in, in loan payments that, that I owed at the beginning and was slowly chipping away at, at that, but in the end really had forgiven a large portion of, of that. Um, so similarly, I had a different servicer than Fed Loan Servicing. And there were many times, many years when I thought to myself, would this exist? Is it really working? Um, and my servicer knew nothing about the program, nothing. Um, and so there were many years I really just went out on faith and just saying, well, I mean, if it, if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, then I'll figure it out then. Um, so denial is a very real thing. It's a powerful, powerful uh, resource at times, but, um, but I, I, I really, uh, about, Two years ago, I would say. So September was was my forgiveness day. About two years ago, 
um, just before um, the payments uh, were put on hold federally, um, I was about to get transferred to Fed Loan Servicing. And that was the point in time when I finally realized um, what information was available to me. At the, before that, I was sort of really just relying on, on um, bits of information that I could gather, but really nothing firm. So um, as Dr. Roy said, Fed Loan Servicing is the, is the agency that does have the information currently anyway. Um, to be able to answer your questions and to really get to the bottom of what you need to do to make sure you're in the right payment program, to make sure your loans are consolidated correctly. Um, I, uh, I also did not annually recertify my employment. I did it in bigger chunks. I did it a little more frequently near the end because I finally realized that information would help me to plan and would help me to anticipate when my forgiveness would come through. And so, um, so I, I want you to know that if you're sort of feel like you're, you're wandering around in the dark, the information is available to you. You may just have to go outside your current servicer to find it. So looking at the administrator of the, of the program as being the, the source for information is really important. Um, as my, my colleagues have said previously, you know, looking into the program as early as possible especially if you're training in a, in a, a qualified profession or a with a qualified employer and you have, um, you have your loans consolidated correctly, you know, while you're still in training and your income is low, that's the time to be looking into whether this program is right for you um, or any of these programs. Because if you are in an income-based repayment plan, that's the time to have um, the best bang for your buck in terms of getting that repayment started. So rather than echo what some of my other colleagues have said, I will, I will turn it over to Dr. Rieg to share a little bit different program. Thanks, Jessica. Hi, so um, my program was a bit different from everyone else's. And so I, um, instead of doing the public service loan forgiveness program, I did the National Health Service Corps loan repayment program. Um, so briefly, I graduated in 2013, six figures of debt, like many other folks here, and with a high interest rate, as many folks have also had. Um, in grad school, I learned about the National Health Service Corps in passing um, and heard about it a few times, but didn't really know exactly what kind of sites qualified or what exactly it was about. Um, so then in, uh, after postdoc in 2014, I um, moved my monthly loan repayments to IBR, the income-based repayment plan to help, you know, with the high cost of, of those. Um, and I started working for a community health center. Um, so my story is a little different too, so I don't work for the VA. And um, my community health center, um, also when I was there, a lot of people were talking about this National Health Service Corps loan payment program. And so I really thought to myself, I really might, you know, want to look into this and, and uh, while I'm here, make my time worthwhile. And um, before that, I had also looked into the public service loan forgiveness program, and I, I actually ran into a few um, difficulties. One of them, um, I remember being that they actually didn't accept my site as an approvable, as an approved site, which I thought was actually quite um difficult or incorrect because I had worked for a nonprofit community health center. And so I had a lot of trouble actually there when I applied. Um, so frustrated, I applied for National Health Service Corps loan repayment instead. Um, and so this slide is quite, this um, program is quite different in that you're actually paid funds up front. And so um, often in return for working for a qualified site, you get money that you have to um, put into your loan. So I received $50,000 in turn for two years of service. And that service is really just continuing to work for wherever you currently work that is a qualified site. Um, they sent the money in lump sums, in two different lump sums to my, straight to my bank account. And I had to show proof that I paid that um, into my loans and I had to do that every year. Um, and there was a bit of a difficulty as well with this National Health Service Corps loan repayment and making sure that my site was actually an approved site. And so that's a really important piece. Um, so the majority of sites are community health centers that are approved um, because community health centers serve underserved areas, take predominantly Medicare and Medicaid patients as their main clientele and have slide and scale payments and this, a whole bunch of other qualifications. 
Um, and this I knew is actually something that I wanted to do for my career, which was really to serve the underserved, you know, in uh, my career. And so that's why I thought National Health Service Corps loan repayment program was, was right for me. Um, in addition to having the $50,000, I was then able to renew my commitment and do another year and get another $20,000. Um, and so that, of course, helped my loans even further. I then actually um, moved to a different community health center since then. And unfortunately, this new health center didn't meet the stringent criteria for a National Health Service Corps loan repayment. Um, but fortunately, I was able to do a state loan repayment program instead, which is really similar. Um, and I won't get into that because this is focused more on national programs, but the state program um, was a real similar process to the National Health Service Corps. And last year, I was able to then fully pay off all my loans within eight years of graduating or nine years of graduating grad school. And I will bring it back then to uh, Dr. Fennell. All right, and I'm going to turn it also back over to Kenneth to talk about APA advocacy efforts. And I will share the slides once more. Give me a moment to bring those up. Great, thanks. Thanks again, Tiffany. So, you know, student debt issues really are at the heart of APA's advocacy work when it comes to graduate students, early career psychologists, and really any other psychologists with student loan debt. So I will go over our advocacy efforts in this space and some of the fact sheets that were provided to you with the registration link for this webinar are also a really good overview of our work in these issues. Next slide, please. So first, I did want to mention that there is still currently a pause on all direct federal student loan payments, which has been in effect since March of 2020. Um, and I'm sure many of you are well aware of that. So in this time, no interest has been accruing. Um, and each month of the pause has counted towards progress in various repayment and forgiveness programs, including PSLF, which has actually lowered the amount of payments you have to make in total since two years worth of these suspended months have counted as qualifying payments for that 120 that you need to hit, which is probably the only silver lining of, of this pandemic. So the current extension will end on May 1st. Um, APA, along with a number of other organizations and many key members of Congress continue to press the administration to extend it again. And we've really done that through every iteration that this, that this uh, payment pause has been extended since it, it initially went into effect. Uh, next slide, please. So despite the fact that interest accrual has been suspended for two years, it will eventually come back. So we strongly support making significant changes to the way that federal student loan interest rates are sort of implemented, um, which you know, in many ways, they are the main reason that student, balances, student loan balances balloon exponentially, particularly for graduate students who have much higher interest rates and are ineligible for subsidized loans. So lowering and fixing interest rates and allowing for refinancing options while also maintaining current federal benefits and, and protections is needed. Um, graduate students should also once again be able to access subsidized federal loans so that they're not liable for any interest that's accrued while they're still in school. Finally, APA supports the elimination of origination fees, which are fees that a borrower pays when they initially take out a loan. And this really disproportionately impacts graduate students who often pay multiple origination fees. Next slide, please. So, you know, although we believe that income-driven repayment is a worth, worthwhile and necessary program that provides borrowers with a needed option as compared to a, st a standard 10-year repayment plan, um, we have a number of concerns with the way that it is currently constituted. I mean, this includes its complexity and, and unequal treatment of graduate debt by placing grad students into longer repayment periods in some cases, um, the tax liability that comes along with loan cancellation under IDR, and just the overall lack of consistency and communication uh, from the Department of Education. 
Um, and also the way that interest is treated in these programs is particularly problematic. I saw a couple of questions come up about this. But, you know, we strongly um, support the elimination of what is called interest capitalization. And so eliminating this would prevent any unpaid interest from being added to the principal on which then further interest is paid. And thus that increases the overall outstanding amount due even as payments are being made. So for example, when you're like, when you're making payments each month and yet you see your overall balance still growing, that is kind of what we want to prevent. And so changing this would be, would be doing so. And we, we really want to make sure that that happens uh, um, as you know, these programs are being re reconsidered in the coming months and years. Um, we also support a variety of recommendations to simplify and streamline the program, including consolidating all existing plans into one single plan, which sets, sets monthly repayments um, at 10% of discretionary income and provides loan cancellation after 20 years of repayment, irrespective of degree type. And then finally, we also um, support permanently eliminating any tax liability associated with loan forgiveness in IDR. So in PSLF, there is, there is no tax liability whatsoever. If whatever forgiveness is you receive, it's not counted as taxable income. In IDR, under the law, it would be. Right now, because of COVID, they actually have put in a waiver um, for five years that any sort of loan forgiveness, irrespective of, the, of where you get it, whether it's state, federal, et cetera, would not have any kind of tax liability associated with it, but that is temporary. And so we wanna make sure that that becomes permanent. Next slide, please. And so, you know, in terms of loan forgiveness, we support a variety of different pathways because there are both current programs already in law and many, uh, uh, you know, other different proposals out there. We don't want to just to commit to one or the other, but really the goal is to cast a wide as, uh, net as possible and for, to push for all of these solutions um, that could help many psychologists with student loan debt. Next slide, please. Thank you. And so we have several recommendations on how to make fixes to PSLF. And you know, of course, the temporary waiver that I mentioned earlier is great. And many of those changes are ones that we pushed for for many years, but we need to go further. Um, you know, we wanna see all types of federal student loans qualify without needing to consolidate. That's really an extra step that's unnecessary. The application process needs to be significantly simplified. We need clearer, more transparent information, especially around employer eligibility sort of stronger oversight of loan servicers must be conducted and any past errors that denied borrowers forgiveness must be fixed, you know, going into the future. And, you know, we also have called on the Department of Education to grant immediate student loan forgiveness to all borrowers who have been in public service for at least um, 10 years. Next slide. So beyond that, we also support several pieces of pending legislation that would provide loan forgiveness for uh, mental health care providers. So the Mental Health Professionals Workforce Short Shortage Loan Repayment Act is a bipartisan bicameral bill, which aims to increase the number of qualified providers employed in underserved communities. And it would authorize a student loan repayment program specifically for mental health professionals who commit to working in a designated mental health professional shortage area for at least a period of six years. And each state really, I mean, each congressional district in the country has at least, at least one of those kinds of areas. Another bill is the Student Loan Forgiveness for Frontline Health Workers Act. And this is more directly tied to COVID-19. Um, and it would forgive the student loan debt of frontline healthcare workers, and this includes psychologists, providing care for those impacted by the pandemic or conducting research related to it. And then the last bill is the Increasing Access to Mental Health and Schools Act, which would provide loan forgiveness to school-based mental health professionals. And really the intent of this bill is to grow the number of mental health providers in schools, and it uses loan forgiveness as an incentive. So any, any you know, mental health professional that commits to working for five years at least in a low-income school district would be eligible for this forgiveness. Next slide. So, you know, I'm sure many of you have heard about the various efforts to pressure and per or persuade the administration to cancel a broad swath of student loan debt. Um, some have proposed $10,000, others are pushing for 50,000. 
And we really are supportive of these efforts as well, particularly as we believe that student loan debt is an issue of race equity and has pretty wide implications for the economy and the workforce writ large. And so we've taken a number of actions to advocate for this. At the moment, it's unclear if the administration will take this route, but you know, the advocacy efforts will certainly continue. Next slide. And lastly, I wanted to highlight several ways that you can get more involved if that's something that you're interested in. Uh, the two easy, easiest and quickest ways to do so, if you haven't already done this, is to sign up for APA's Psychology um, Advocacy Network and our Washington Update. And so through this, you will receive action alerts on a variety of different issues important to psychology um, at the, you know, on the federal policy level mainly, as well as our um, advocacy newsletter, which is released every two weeks. And I can also put the link to sign up for those in the chat momentarily. So you know, thank you so much um, and uh, happy to answer any other questions that you all may have. Thank you so much, Kenneth, for, for informing us about all of those efforts and also to our panelists. And now I'll open it up to question and answer. I know we have a ton of questions in our Q&A. Um, and so would it be helpful for our panelists if I read off some questions and, and you can take turns or whomever can answer? Um, let's see. I know some more have been answered throughout the program, so I'm just going to go to the ones that haven't been answered yet. Um, this one comes from Ben. How did your repayment of loans impact your ability to do things like purchase a home? I think like many people here, um, our loan payments each month were quite high. Mine were certainly, I'll speak for myself. And um, so I really wasn't in uh, a mode to save money for a down payment for a home. And really my focus was on paying off my student loans and, and saving what little money I could, but yeah, it was really not the focus. And so I had been renting the whole time. I had a different experience. Oh, sorry. I had a different experience where my, um, when I graduated, I just, just happened to be at a time when interest rate rates were very reasonable. So my, my loan payments were not that large, even when I was in a traditional planning on 30 years of payments um, loan program. Um, and so when I when I entered the, the PSLF program, the payments based on income-based were actually not that dissimilar to what I had been used to paying. So, you know, with budgeting, just figuring in the, the amount of payment, um, you know, saving in traditional ways is really, really the key. Um, Okay, I guess that's all I'll say on that. I will um, go to the next question. This is um, anonymous. I would be interested to hear from anyone who has had to go through an appeal process. I've applied under TEPSLSF, have made more than 120 payments, they're just consolidated to the appropriate servicer. But my employment has been split between two schools, both eligible, adding up to more than full time. How has the appeal process gone for people? Kenneth, or would any of our panelists have experience with that? I mean, I think there's there are still concerns with you know, the, temp, the TEPSLF as well. And, and because there were, when that was put into law, that was really done to ensure that people that did not receive forgiveness, but were promised to receive it, that kind of tried to fix that issue. And since it's been put into law, I think like there were 2% of people haven't received any forgiveness through that program. Um, the waiver technically would also uh, fix some of those issues for people that are have applied to TPS, TEPSLF. And even the form to apply has now been consolidated. Previously, there were two different forms. Now that's all in one. So I think the waiver should also uh, fix a lot of those issues. So even if you were in T, apply for TP, TEPSLF previously, um, I would you know perhaps re, resubmit an employer certification form right now just to be safe. Uh, but that should also uh, 
the waiver should cover that as well. Thank you. Next question, it may be kind of broad to answer, but what makes you ineligible for the student loan forgiveness programs? Well, I mean, for, for PSLF, I mean, the eligibility is fairly, fairly clear. I mean, you have to have federal loans. So either, either a direct loan, or if you have had pre like um, Fell loans or Perkins loans that were older uh, federal loans, you would have to consolidate them, as I mentioned before. Um, and so, if, and then you would have to work for a qualifying employer, which is either a government entity or a 501c3 nonprofit. And then you would have to make 120 uh, payments in a qualified pay repayment plan, which typically is an income-driven repayment plan. Those 120 payments do not have to be consecutive, but they have to be made. Um, and But because of this current waiver, a lot of those issues have been kind of lessened in the sense that if you made payments on loans that were not direct loans, but they were not consolidated, those will count under the waiver. Previously, they did not. So that is uh, very good, but you have to, you would have to consolidate the loans. How you can start, the, there were questions about starting this process in the chat I also saw. You should go to studentaid.gov and they have a um, sort of a, like a help tool. And it, when you log into that help tool, um, it will kind of take you through all of the steps that you need to do to, if you have to consolidate your loans to do that. And then if you have to file uh, a form for PSLF to do that. Um, once you do all of that, your loans will automatically be moved to Fed Loan Servicing, which is a current loan servicer that is um, that takes care of PSLF and that administers it. There were also a few comments or, or questions in the chat about the loan servicer itself. That it's correct that Fed Loan is, will no longer be servicing PSLF in the future. Currently, it still is. Who the new loan servicer will be, that has not been identified yet. The Department of Education is working on that and will notify folks in the, you know, in the coming months. But you would not have to do anything. That your, your, you know, that entire PSLF portfolio will be moved to a different servicer or to several different loan servicers. Um, and you should be informed of that when that happens. Thank you. Our, um, the next question is, are there opportunities for student loan forgiveness for part-time employees and when working in a private clinic? For um, National Health Service Corps, you are able to work part-time and you, um, and so the money that you get is prorated and you'll get half the amount that you would normally get. Um, and from my understanding is that these all apply um, National Health Service Corps and public service loan forgiveness or either nonprofits um, or government, right, um, health centers. And so it does not apply to private practice or similar types of work. And, and for PSLF, you have to be employed uh, at least 30 hours a week in order to, to qualify. Here's the next question. How does it work with doing both education reduction program, the EDRP and the PSLF? I can speak to that a little bit. I did not participate in both programs, but I have several colleagues who do and, um, <clears throat> and my colleague and I talk to our residents about this every year. So the education debt reduction program in the VA is a VA run program where it is a um, repayment program. So you pay, it's a five-year program where you can have up to $200,000 repaid over the course of those five years, but you have to make those payments and then you are paid back for that, that portion. What many of uh, my colleagues have done is they're already enrolled in the PSLF program and they're making their um, income-based payments throughout the year. And they may make one um, large payment at the end of the year towards that EDRP, and then they are reimbursed for that money through VA. Um, but they remain enrolled in the PSLF program and continue to make those eligible payments every month. So you can do both programs. Um, ideally, your debt would be reduced at the end of EDRP at that five years, but perhaps not. Maybe your debt is high enough that 
um, it would extend beyond that maximum amount that's repaid through the VA system. Thank you. This next question, I'll kind of summarize that um, how was it difficult to be approved for things like large mortgages when you have such large school debt? I think someone may have um, given a similar answer in the chat, um, but my experience had been that, um, you know, if, if what they, many, like getting a mortgage, they want to see that you're making the payments um, and um, that you're making them on time and that it's not necessarily held against you um, to have the, the student loans. That's been my experience. Let's see, I'll move on to another question. I know for certain PSLF plans, when you get married and file taxes together, they consider both incomes for payments. However, for others, if you continue to file separately, they will only count your individual income. Do you feel like the tax break from marriage filing taxes together was worth the higher PL, PSL, uh, LF payments, excuse me? I, I can answer this one for my husband and I, because he also has a, a huge amount, uh, much higher even than I did. Um, we have been filing separately the past few years that we've been married because of the payment issue. I did the same for all 10 years. I did the same. I filed jointly because it made the most sense financially given our combined income level. Um, filing jointly was best, but I think people need to look at their case-by-case -case basis because it's there's not one size fits all for everyone. Um, let's see, this next question. Um, I'm an independent contractor working for a fee-for-service practice doing clinical psychotherapy. My loan is with Nelnet. I tried to get a position with a public service organization about 15 years ago, but couldn't get anything. I'm on an income driven repayment and have reduced or no payments because my income is so low, but the interest keeps adding up. Is there any program that could help me? Well, un unfortunately, and this is what I was discussing in terms of some of our, our advocacy work is on this is that currently under income driven repayment, the way that it's structured you know, you only pay a portion of the interest each month because the payments are so low and the rest of the interest really is kind of added into that total. And so we're trying to change that. Um, right now, the Department of Education is going through a, a process where they're, over, they're looking over many of the programs, the student loan programs in their portfolio, and they will be issuing new rules related to those programs. And so one thing that they're looking at is this interest capitalization. And they believe that in some instances, currently they have the authority to waive that interest, um, but that's not an all. And so we'll see what that final look, rule looks like and we'll provide uh, public comment and work with them to make it as, you know, as, as, as good as we think it should be. But you know, they don't have complete authority. And so some of it would have to be changed statutorily, which means that Congress would have to act and, so that can take a while. And so that's something that we've been working on for years, frankly, and will continue to do so. Um, but, but, but currently, you know, there isn't, and you know, the, the way that the income driven repayment is structured, that's just the way that it is, unfortunately. It's not the way that it was intended to, at least I think in people's minds when they put this program, these programs into law. Um, but that's really how they're playing out and it's, and it shouldn't be. And that's what we're trying to make folks understand so they can make the necessary fixes in the short term, as well as the long term. Next question. If you've worked at a qualifying site and have been making payments, can you submit the form at any time? Will my payments in the past count before I have submitted the form? You can submit at any time. And, yeah, and yes, the payments will count before you submitted the form, provided that, well, now with the waiver, again, as long as you now, if, if you did not have, uh, if you had fell, fell loans or Perkins loans and they were not consolidated before, all you need to do is consolidate them and all payments 
on those uh, loans will count because of the waiver. But yes, you can submit the form at any time. You can submit the form after you've done all your 120 payments even. Um, as long as you submitted and the, the, as long as when you made those 120 payments, you were working for um, a qualified a qualifying employer. This next question is, um, this person's in, uh, interested in hearing your concerns about student loan debt and psychology and repayment, loan forgiveness. Sorry, I just kind of ended that sentence really weird. That's the end, yeah. Any concerns about student loan debt in psychology and repayment and loan forgiveness? Many concerns. A lot of concerns. A lot of concerns. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, I think there are a lot of concerns. Um, I mean, I have to say grad school was quite nerve wracking in racking up the debt. Um, and um, so I'll mention that I think there's a lot of concerns. And I will say, I once had a grad school professor say that if you're doing you know, what you love, eventually people do get through this. Um, and so I kind of had that in my mind over the 10 years and I did get through it doing something that I really loved. But there are a lot of concerns because grad school is expensive. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, going into public service, um, you know, we're not in the highest paying jobs. So there are a lot of concerns. I would also, oh, I'm sorry, oh, I Karen. I just wanted to add that I think it's really important to talk about finances. I know we have like, you know, our personal boundaries around some of those things, but I try to make a point as a supervisor or um, in speaking with people who are considering going to grad school to mention the financial component, to share information about the loan forgiveness options, to be really upfront about that. Um, I personally decided not to take on any other debt besides my student debt. So that made, you know, certain decisions about like not getting a car, a new car or not getting a mortgage and, and people have their own different decisions around that. But I think there is, uh, you know, it's important to talk about these things more and more because it's not an individual issue. It is a, it's a society-wide issue. It's a professional issue that many people are grappling with. And I think it's easier for people to feel very alone in that. And we know that can lead to a lot of other problems as well. So. Um, I think it's a, it's a huge issue. It's really important that APA is being proactive on this and we're really grateful for that. And I would you know, encourage people to get involved in advocacy or at least communicate with the people around you, provide support to each other because it affects, it can affect you know, basically every aspect of your life potentially. So it's good to talk about it. Thank you. See, this next question, how do you know your loans are consolidated correctly? Um, what all does that entail? So I posted a link in the chat right now to studentaid.gov. If you go there, I mean, if you have a student loan debt, you should have, be able to, you have, should have like a login and, and all of that and log into there. And there is a help tool that will take you through the process. Um, and so you, you will have to like just follow all the steps and, uh, you should be able to do it both for consolidating the loans as well as uh, filing the PSLF form. And once that's done, if you if your loans are not with FedLoan, they will all be moved over there autom automatically without you having to do anything else. I, I mean, I will still say this, just as with anything, um, you want to be very diligent about keeping all the paperwork, keeping all the emails, all the notes, making sure that you check studentaid.gov student periodically to see everything is there in, in the inbox because you're gonna that they'll set that up for you once you have an account. And just be making sure that you are on top of this because you know unfortunately no one is really gonna like walk you through it unless you do really kind of keep track of everything very diligently yourselves. Next question when do you start applying for the PSLF? When? Mm -hmm. When? Seems like. Uh, I mean, once you, you like I said, it, it depends. You can, once you begin your work with uh, an, uh, an employer that qualifies, you can file the, the um, employer certification form right away, or you can wait, you know, all the way till the end till you finish making 120 payments and then file, you know, file the certification form as long as you're able to, if you change employers during that time, 
um, you have to track down your previous employer. So, I mean, I would suggest basically filing a employer certification form every time you start employment with a qualifying employer, because then when you change and you don't have to go looking for them and like, maybe you won't be able to find them. Maybe they left it. it all these other things come up. So I personally would not wait until the very, very end and do it periodically um, just to keep track and make, and again, make sure that the, that the servicer and the department know periodically that you are employed there or with a qualifying employer. I know that some folks said here that they didn't do it every year. I think that's fine, but doing it at least multiple times during your full employment process as you're making these payments um, would be uh, helpful. This next question, are neuropsychologists included in the NHSE and VA programs? My gut instinct is, seems like yes. Um, the, oh, go ahead. No, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say it's the employer as opposed to the profession that, that qualifies you as long as you're in a, um, a covered profession, but it's not just specific to psychologists or neuropsychologists. It's really the a, a qualified employer status that, that is the key. There's another question related to EDRP that I believe we already answered as far as how it works with the student loan forgiveness. Um, and is the VA an improved site for the NHSE? Do they mean the National Health Service Corps? Yes, um, yes. I I'm not sure, actually. Um, so the National Health Service Corps sites tend to um, take, as I said earlier, like Medicaid or Medicare as their main um, clientele. And so I want to say no, because that's not what the VA does. And Astria, since you're speaking about this, um, one of the attendees wants to know what the name of the program you were discussing, the loan repay, repayment programs you were participating in. So it's, it's just that, it's called the National Health Service Corps Loan Repayment Program. Um, so next question, anything I can do if I'm still in my graduate program and work in public service position at the same time? You, you can start making payments while in your graduate program, as long like as, as long as you are working for, as long as you meet all the other criteria, you can start making program of uh, making payments um, that would potentially qualify towards PSLF as long as everything else is checked off. Does it make sense to apply for both PLSF and NHSE? I'm not sure. I, I don't know if you can. I'm, I'm assuming that you can. Does, does anyone on, on, on our panel do that? Um, let's see. How you, uh, I'm sorry, Dr. Rory, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think most of us, um, if I heard correctly, are working in places where you can't actually apply for both. Right. Mm -hmm. um, how do you... And I know we only have a couple of minutes left. I'll ask this next question and then maybe we can figure out how we can respond to other, the other questions because there are many more. But how do you go about paying your loans and starting a family? So I think I might have sent a private answer to this one, but I think that um, I'm sure every case is different for me. It was just really important to be upfront with my significant other about finances and then also speaking with other family members as well. And we just chose to prioritize having a child over, uh, like I said, we didn't take on any other types of debt. So our lifestyle was more modest. Um, we were both on the same page with that and we were able to have a, a wonderful child and you know, pay for daycare and preschool and all that stuff. So we made it work and also save for retirement. But I think for us, it was like, you have to sort of figure out which are the things you're going to prioritize because we weren't able to do, you know, everything that we would like to do. So we had to, to decide what was most important to us. Um, and then, you know, those are, again, things that have to be talked about and worked through. And if, if you're not on the same page, then that's good to know if you are on the same page, that makes things much easier. So um, we were able to prioritize having a child and make it work. And then now with the loan forgiveness, things are much easier. 
Would anyone else like to respond? I think that was very well put. All right, well, I recognize we have very little time left and a ton of other questions, and I wanna be respectful of our panelists and our attendees time. Um, so I'm gonna ask the panelists, what's the best way, how can we um, respond to questions and follow up with, with folks? What's, what's your preference? What, I mean, yes, whatever is easier for you, since I guess you will have the access to all of these questions after the uh, to the chat after the fact. So, I mean, if you want to send some my way, I'll be happy to, to answer the ones that I can uh, from my end. Okay. So we'll see, um, we may be able to um, get back to people, I think if, since people are registered, I'll be able to have contact information, um, whatever you use to register so we can get back to you because I know a lot of people have really like burning and uh, important questions. So um, so with that, I'll go ahead and bring this webinar to a close. I wanna really thank our panelists um, for being here today. Um, thanks for being open about your stories and, and sharing all these great tips on how to successfully navigate the process. Kenneth, thank you for all you're doing in APA to fight for us um, and make things better and hopefully improve our lives um, pretty significantly um, through all of those efforts. Um, and so I will um, be um, later today, hopefully we'll have the recording uh, put up on our Division 18 YouTube channel. I'll put a link to that in the chat box in case you wanna review it again or share with your colleagues. And you'll also receive a follow-up email within a day as well that'll also have that link. So thank you everybody. And I hope everyone can be successful if, if you choose to go this route. Take care. Bye. Yeah. Thanks.